0: I'm R.J. Bell with the Sports Banking Headlines for a big draft aftermath Monday. Vegas reacting to that draft. Bears upgrade makes sense. Falcons upgrade, not so much to me, but maybe. Texans downgrade, yeah. Raiders downgrade, that's crazy. We'll break it down. If you look at Aaron Rodgers, a lot of talk so far and rumors, but Vegas is listening. He's barely over even money based on the odds to return to green bay and this possibility is affecting the odds of five or more other teams lakers losers of 6 to 7 lebron out tonight 5 point home underdogs for the lakers against the denver nuggets here comes a 4 out of the vegas truth covering all that and more
1: you're listening to fox sports radio this is straight out of vegas with the voice of vegas your host rj bell the pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. I the future. From the Vegas Strip. Here's R.J. Bell.
0: You heard it. I'm R.J. Live on this big Aftermath Monday. We call during the season the Monday the Aftermath. This is a big one. These are the days, but, you know, the draft, the days that really affect how good teams are in the future. The paradox is we have no idea right now which teams did well. And as we often say, every team was very happy at least with the picks that they made at the time. But there is a way that you can say, hmm, this team did well even in the short term. And we'll explain it to you. It involves quarterbacks specifically. We're on 225 stations across this great, great nation. And sports bettors, they listen for the money. Sports fans are no more than their buddies And we're going to deliver on that today for sure. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox.
2: Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we are recapping the NFL draft over this past weekend, plus some trouble in L.A. for the Lakers. What is the biggest lead here on this Monday?
0: You know, I was tempted to go with Aaron Rodgers, but I'm going to call an audible. Let's go draft first, and then we'll get to Rodgers in this first segment for sure.
2: Yeah, so the draft concluded this weekend. It was a three-day event in Cleveland, five quarterbacks going in the first round, some notable names going in on day two. But nonetheless, a busy, busy weekend in the NFL when it comes to the draft.
0: Yeah, if you look at the draft the first three rounds and look at the number of quarterbacks taken, most ever. So it's kind of interesting because you had a a very – top-heavy five, though they didn't go as high as some thought. Uh, You know, obviously 15 being the last one for Mac Jones. But then after that, there was a lot of talk of is there going to be any in the second round even? And as we said, the top or the most in in the top three rounds ever. Let me ask you this. Is this just a sign of the increasing importance of quarterbacking? Or do you think there's another reason?
2: Um, I I think it... This year I've been told from enough people that know a lot more than I do that this year was really a, a good quarterback draft class for a, for a lot of reasons. People think some of the day two guys like the Davis Mills and Kellen Munn, they have an opportunity to be players at the next level. And then you're hearing that next year is not as good of a class. And so I wonder if some teams felt like, hey, if there's an opportunity to grab a guy this year, maybe the day two guys are even better than day one guys next year. Um, but again, that remains to be seen because somebody always pops Pops up every single year in college football that you didn't expect. So
0: true, but but usually that not, like we had that this year too. I mean, like if you think about it, even three quarters through the year was Wilson out of BYU. I mean, the performance of BYU was certainly talked about, and we were, I think, I'm proud to say, giving them a lot of attention. But there wasn't a sense that this was the number two quarterback in the draft.
2: No, I think it was there were a couple of primetime games where all of a sudden the buzz started to, to grow a little bit. It was I think it was a Friday night game, if I remember, that BYU was playing and he made a couple of really nice throws and, and was wheeling and dealing. But, you know, he was doing it against softer competition. So the feeling was, man, he looks great. But and then he continued to play well. He had a good pro day in front of scouts. And then it just became obvious to everybody. The Jets fell in love with him.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, But you could make the case halfway through this season that Mac Jones wasn't even a first-round quarterback, though he had started hot. And you can make the case that, you know, Ryan Wilson wasn't either. And I think that's easy cases in both cases. And then you think of last year, Joe Burrow, though he started hot, certainly at the beginning of that year he was nowhere, like sixth round. And so it shows you, I think your instincts are correct, that typically we should plan on one or two late emergers. And sometimes we're going to see some people drop off, but not as much. Here's the number one takeaway of the draft, at least I think looking towards next year and trying to get a feel for how well these teams did. Belichick leads the way generally. He, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's a famous, or kind of a famous, but only if you're like a Patriots watcher, Ernie Adams. And if you don't know about Ernie Adams, just look him up. He's got a Wikipedia page. He's literally been friends with Belichick and been on his staff pretty much as a special projects director, which is kind of scary, you think, about <laughs> the Patriots. But Ernie Adams... Um, Uh, literally for 50 years or so has been with Belichick though. He had a few years. He was selling bonds. I think it was on wall street and he just had his last draft. He's about Belichick's age, almost 70 and it goes to show you what Belichick, what he would do is Belichick would say, all right, Ernie. And again, this was in the book. uh, I think it's called the making of a coach by Haberstam. Great. I think the best Belichick book And they really break down how did Belichick become so great. And this was only written like in 2005 before he had a lot more success. And the theory was, in the book, was that he just loved football and he approached it in an academic way. Let's do a study on this, that, the other. And Ernie Adams did a lot of those studies. And one of the things that I'm almost certain he looked at was how is the depth of this year's draft compared to next year's? And what you saw was, and there was some interesting articles written about the number of players that even got an agent, which is the bottom level of thinking you're going to do anything in the draft. And this year had like one-third as many as what they expect next year. So obviously the top of the draft was fine. But what you saw was Belichick actually traded multiple, I think, fourth-rounders to get move up and get a guy he liked. Now how often does Belichick move up, right? It- yeah.
2: Well, yeah, it's it's one of those when Belichick makes the move, you just sort of stand back and go, okay, what does he know that I don't know? It's (laughs) like it's like when when uh, somebody who's a much like when I hear you guys talk about gambling and you like a line or, or you like a game. I just I stand back and go, all right, I'm going to keep my mouth shut because they must know something I don't because I wouldn't have thought that way. And more often than not, it turns out to be correct. So well, just certain I, people strike fear in others, and Belichick's one of them.
0: Well, you know what's funny about striking fear? I, I'll be candid, and I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. I don't read every Twitter reply. If I ask on air, I will, but I typically don't. But I was kind of just surfing around yesterday, and I thought, oh, there's the post I did that went, you know, we had a 5-0 and o or whatever it was. I think it was 6-0, and o, like, the day of the draft, I put out some steam moves. And I didn't say bet them all. It was like, this is the way the steam's going. And it was, you know, perfect. But in the comments, about half of them were about McKenzie beating me on that Mac Jones thing. <laughs> and it, it strikes me that, like, the guy, I can make anyone an underdog because this guy <laughs> went to Yale. His First cousin is Kyle freaking Shanahan. And somehow he beat me out of a bet for a hundred. A hundred wins him two fifty, and everyone's celebrating like he just like got like the pope was elected, and it's Mackenzie Rivers, the pope.
2: So and, and he's got all those burner accounts working at the same time. He's really multitasking as well. Which you know is what's impressive. funny?
0: I don't think so because they made him out to be such an underdog. They're like, you know, it's almost like they said, you know, Goofy Mackenzie finally won one, and it's like we're celebrating. I mean, did you did you happen to see that Mackenzie?
3: A lot of love on Twitter this weekend. I appreciate it, yeah, That was it,
0: interesting. Did you think that a little... I mean, what did we talk about that bat, uh, uh, Jonas? Like, like, literally 90 seconds the whole couple days? Yeah, of day-
2: if, and it was... <laughs> it was we, we were up against it. There wasn't even a lot of time to really... It wasn't even a full segment, for sure.
0: This is what I'm going to say. I've, I've only tweeted one other thing, which was about how bad Sam Darnold is this weekend. So the RJ fans out there, let's, let's go show, you know, remember back, uh, a lot of you guys might not remember Beverly Hills, 90210. There was team Brenda, team Kelly, and then it was Dylan versus uh, Brandon. I mean, McKenzie shouldn't be out flanking me on this. Now I get he's the underdog and it's never, you know, David Goliath It's never fun to root for the you know giant, but come on, let's do it. Jump in there. And, and, and anyone get, you want to get on McKenzie, I'll read it if it's especially good on today's show. At RJ in Vegas. We're straight out of Vegas. Okay, so next year's draft, probably deeper. Belichick acted accordingly. Um, Let's talk about the up arrows, down arrows, because Vegas typically doesn't much react to the draft. Now, I've got a couple rules about when they react, and, and one of these up arrows really falls into it. Number one, if you have a team that didn't have a, even an average quarterback. Then they draft a quarterback in the first round. It doesn't matter how good you think that quarterback is. You don't know. The team thought he was a first-rounder. you got to upgrade that team a little bit because the odds of them having, and let's use the example, the Chicago Bears. The odds of the Bears having an above-average quarterback was almost zero with the quarterbacks they had. The goal would have been average. Now that is that chance, that probability of the Bears having better than average quarterback is above zero. Doesn't I don't know if it's twenty percent or thirty percent, but it's a real number. Jonas, would you agree with that that you know the drafting of a first round, you know, fields who some people thought was the second best quarterback in the draft. Uh, it doesn't matter what they traded up for none of that matters right now cuz you know it's future or it's a fourth round whatever it is and i think it's next year's number 1 right is it doesn't affect them now so all i know is the bears went from about a 0% chance of having an above average quarterback to above 0 do you agree with that
2: yeah no i agree with it and it's also just the perception of it because he was factored he was considered you know one of the top quarterbacks in the draft and nobody thought the bears would have an opportunity to get him because they thought he'd be long gone by the time the bears got there and The Bears, or even could trade
0: up reasonably priced, exactly.
2: And the fact that they moved up and were able to land a guy that nobody expected to be there—that always, you know, seems like it benefits the team moving
0: forward. And excuse me, we don't talk about like GMs, and we don't really care. They, you know, we, we want everyone to keep their job. Give me one second, just Jonas. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Uh, Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. And we are brought to you by AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's (coughs) number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. I'm Jonas Knox. Uh, He is RJ Bell, the voice of Vegas.
0: You know, it's almost like we had that one planned. Thank you. (laughs) And, And to me... You gotta look at the coach. You gotta look at the GM of the Bears and say they just gotta repray, because it's gonna. I mean, listen. If he's a if Fields is a disaster. Okay, maybe they lose their job after this year. Probably they do, but if he's even decent, I mean, he can't be like Sam Darnold level. But let's say he's decent,
3: <laughs> they're
0: gonna give him at least a second year. Yeah. So like, and, and, and let's be candid. If they start, if he, he if he looks like Herbert, both those guys probably have a job for five plus years. So. It's kind of funny to think – and let's give the Bears credit because we always talk about misaligned interest where the GM – you know, I've heard someone say, "Uh, give them whatever they want because you're not going to be there next year unless you get that quarterback. And it's true, right? So if if the GM was only thinking about, let's say, with the Bears, his situation, he should have traded – you know, obviously he wasn't going to be able to do it – but 10 number one picks – to get up wherever he needed to to at least roll the dice again because that's what a number or first round quarterback does it gives you a couple more rolls of the dice and the fact that they got it for a fair price i mean you got to give the bears a lot of credit and it's going to be fascinating because in a way this is going to speak to trubisky because if fields looks bad now you're going to start saying wait a minute well sam darnold We kind of, like, excused him because the coach was so bad, supposedly, and I I think he was for the Jets. But now, if Nagy looks bad with the second quarterback, Nagy, remember, didn't call plays before he went to be the head coach. He was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the coordinator under Andy Reid, but never called plays. So, like, what did he do?
2: Yeah, there was – there was, and see, I, I haven't gotten a straight answer on this because some people have said he called plays for about eight games that year. and the said, preseason? No. Yeah, that was Andy Reid that was behind all that. But he definitely did not – if he called plays, he did not have a season's worth of play calling in Kansas City from everything I've heard.
0: And, I mean, Andy Reid would put that thing up over – you know, the play sheet over his face, and you see his little mustache, move, right. his big mustache. I mean, yeah, I think he was pretty involved. And I don't know, right? But the, let's be honest. The fact that you say you can't get a straight – Answer. Andy Reid's a generous person, it seems, with his assistance. If he could have made the case that he wasn't calling the plays, he would have, because he doesn't need any more claim as a play caller. So I don't know for sure, but doesn't Andy Reid seem like the type that would have said, hey, uh, you know, Nagy's calling the plays, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And he, he would be a guy who would come out and speak glowingly of him and say, listen, this guy had experience Call in plays for me because every assistant that gets a head coaching job looks better for Andy Reid. It just goes, the coaching tree, we still talk about the Bill Walsh coaching tree, uh, the Bill Parcells coaching tree, the mm-hmm. Belichick coaching tree. So if another one of his assistants goes on to become a head coach, that's going to be talked about for a long time and, and add to his legacy.
0: No doubt. And maybe, maybe when the guy's trying to leave that year there's a sense of like you want your coordinator to stay if you know you don't want to sabotage him but you can't you would expect that but once he got the job you think at that point he'd be generous about it and who knows but Nagy hasn't been a great head coach that's what we know for sure Now you could look at it the other way and say well if Trubisky really is bad the Bears have won as many games with a bad quarterback as anyone over these years I guess there's two ways to look at it but when we come back and we'll take our first break this is a great segue and it just kind of happened this way To compare the worst quarterbacks of the last 10 years, what we did was, and the Ringer did this originally, they went back and said, let's look at every top five quarterback. So top five overall each year, and there were 15 of them. There's three quarterbacks that were clearly the worst. Trubisky was one. Blake Bortles was one. And yes, Sam Darnold. The question is, who was the worst statistically? And we'll get into the lines and how a lot of people are starting to change their tune about biting kneecaps.
2: Tease RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted
1: right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Straight out of Vegas!
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
0: With I with If you speak out against the words, I I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas.
2: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a look back at a busy weekend in the NFL.
0: What effect would Aaron Rodgers have if he doesn't play with Green Bay? And it's Jordan Love. We'll break it down here in a few minutes. Like on the per-game basis. How many games would the Packers win? I think this number might surprise you. It's a great day to join. This is the fastest-growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. We're going to keep working extra hard to make your support of us. Well, you'll be proud of it, hopefully. That's what we're striving for. And speaking of proud, great weekend, I thought, and great lead-up to the draft at Fox Sports Radio. And if you want to hear this show or any of the shows, just go to foxsportsradio.com. You can find the best local radio station you can listen to, or you can listen streaming right there at the site, right here in Vegas on the Strip. 83 degrees, the neon is pumping.
2: So, RJ, the story out of the NFL draft this past weekend is the quarterbacks that were selected, no surprise at 1-2, and but Trey Lance followed by Justin Fields and Mac Jones round out the first round of the draft this past weekend in Cleveland.
0: Yeah, and to me, as we said, it made a ton of sense. That the Bears had an uptick in their win total. Let McKenzie, do you have the exact numbers um, based on you know I know where it was, but what the current market is on the Bears' uptick?
3: Yes, their current over/under is seven and a half, slightly juiced to the over.
0: Okay, and the original number? Seven prior to this weekend. Okay, so to me that feels about right, and. Again, it doesn't matter how good you think he is if he's a first rounder and the Bears didn't really have a chance to have an above average quarterback it was almost zero that's an upgrade. So now the question is any of the other teams could that be the case? So let's see obviously Sam Fran was didn't have a zero at quarterback or you know well below average. Jimmy G had his problems but still decent um, and when he's on the field he's you know probably better than that. You look at the Patriots. You might think about the Pats and say, "Wow, this is a team that, um, you know, with Cam Newton, at least the way he looked last year, it was almost a zero and above average would have been hard." Now the question is, what's Mac Jones do? So Mackenzie, we didn't really see a big uptick with the Patriots, did we?
3: No, they're they're nine. But what's interesting is before the draft, they went up from nine to about nine and a quarter. So maybe the market was anticipating that they would get. A starting level quarterback. So,
0: what you're saying is now there, when there was a lot of rumors about them trading up with Carolina, that there was an uptick, and then when it happened, it was built into the number.
3: Exactly. So,
0: you can make the case it was about a quarter game uptick then? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if that's the case, I still think you got to give them a little more juice because the fact they didn't have to trade up, which could have been this year, and then they got a second, you know, and I think PFF gave them an A, and that's a, only a handful of teams. Patriots were one of them. So personally, it feels like they undervalued the Pats and how much they improved themselves. Now, one of the things we're going to be talking about starting next week, we're going to grade the teams based on everything that's happened since the Super Bowl. So we'll look at retirements, trades, Uh, obviously free agency and the draft and say, how have the teams been affected? You know, pluses, minuses, up arrow, down arrow. Jonas, if you look at the Pats and I, we knew they had a lot of money to spend, but the aggression that they applied that money with, uh, like like they felt like we're going to win. And then to get Mac Jones without having to trade up. I mean, it feels like, to me, you'd have to put the Pats on the top five or so of the most improved teams. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I would agree. I don't know how you add the players that they added, and you get worse. And I don't think they were that bad of a team last year to begin with. I still think their defense was pretty good, and that was a pretty good defense with all those opt-outs. Um, Cam Newton, there were, what, three, four games he threw for under 100 yards? <laughs> and, and we've talked about it on this show. You get a couple of things to go your way during the course of that season, and that, and, and I believe there were seven and nine. That looks more like a nine and seven team than it does a, a, a sub five hundred team. Just mm. th- several opportunities during last year, so I I think they're going to be better. I think Cam's going to be better. I just the Mac Jones fit is interesting to me because it's the complete opposite style quarterback from Cam Newton, and I don't know what to make of that. Whether or not Belichick is purely looking into the future, or if this really is just a one-off scenario for Cam Newton, and then you move on and just hope that you know he makes enough plays with his legs. Um, um, and and they can keep people guessing because it's, it's not the prototypical backup quarterback for a mobile guy.
0: That's Jonas Songs. I'm R.J. Bowe. We're straight out of Vegas. And Jonas makes a good point, which is typically, in almost all cases, you want the backup quarterback to be of the same style as yeah. the starter because you want the team to be ready to play the same way if he comes in. Now, with Cam... Your thought would be, if you're not a Belichick watcher, maybe Cam, you know, gets a couple starts. If he does well, he keeps going. If not, Mac Jones comes in. Maybe Cam has some sets that are more running quarterbacks, you know, like uh, Cordell Stewart back in the day with Pittsburgh. I don't think so. Mike Lombardi, Belichick friend, watcher, friend of this show, made the point this weekend, He doesn't expect Mac Jones to start one game this weekend or this this season, and the rationale being it is a complex offense, and that you know Cam you know struggled with it to some degree last year, and you can account for some of his issues with that. And even though Mac Jones is uh, considered a brilliant football mind, Belichick, I tell you this, as much as Brady's Super Bowl is one of the big bold. Facts that is going to be on the 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 all-time historic list of like Belichick versus Brady. Let's be honest. If Belichick wins two Super Bowls in the next, I don't know, seven years, you know, or even yeah, yeah, let's say seven, and you know he's about he'd be in this you know 76 years old or whatever at that point. So I don't know how many years he's going to coach, but I think especially Mac Jones is doing well. He's more inclined to keep going. If he does it with the second quarterback, all of a sudden now, especially one that's kind of a, a a prototype of Brady, you know, it's kind of like similar to Brady. Yeah. At least that's the, the the talk. That would be like the slam dunk. I mean, like the Brady one would make him the greatest quarterback. But Belichick, even if he wins one, one with Mac Jones, it would at minimum tie him with saying, "Hey, he got another quarterback who made him look like Brady." But if he doesn't. Right? If it's just bomb out from here, then Brady's going to be, you know, Belichick would still be the greatest coach, but in that battle, it's Brady all the way. So in a weird way, Belichick's Legacy, it seems to me, and I want to get your thoughts, is is completely on Mac Jones' shoulders the next five years. What do you think?
2: Yeah, and I think if, if Belichick does go and they do win a Super Bowl, I I actually think it's more impressive than Brady going to Tampa and winning a Super Bowl hmm. because because yeah. Brady Brady got to choose a, a team that that was on the on the brink, good defense, a lot around him. Not taking anything away from him, but he but that was that was a good roster. That was a team that showed a lot of potential. Man, uh, the Patriots, I mean, Cam Newton was signed when? Last September, um, you know, uh, some of these moves they made, they had players opt out. They had to wear it for a year uh, and deal with Josh Allen in the division. They had, you know, the Jets making moves. The Dolphins all of a sudden were the talk of the division. And if he can come all the way back with this new roster and this new team and no Brady and Edelman retiring and and all of it and goes on to win a Super Bowl, I think it's more impressive than Brady 101. one
0: yeah, and if it's I mean this year, I you know, I think you know more unlikely than other years, yeah, especially agree. if Mac Jones doesn't start because I mean, again, you're back to cam. But I think that over the horizon, you're absolutely right. We're straight out of Vegas. I'm gonna address the Falcons as we talked about in the headlines real simply. They've been an upgrade, and a lot of people are befuddled by it. I mean, is a tight end really that good? Okay, here's the key. by taking pits, it was Falcons telling us in one pick, we're not rebuilding. Because if they were rebuilding, now we knew that in a way because of the way they restructured Matt Ryan's contract, that it was really onerous. It was really tough for the Falcons to then cut him this year or next year. Like the dead cat money next year is crazy. It's like $60 million. Is that right, McKenzie? 45 th-
3: next year, 60 this year.
0: Okay, I thought it was flipped, actually. Okay, you sure on that? Um, Either way, it's Matt. I mean, think about it. Both of those numbers dwarf what Wentz, you know, that cost. And and now the Eagles, in theory, are pretty much out of it this year because of that salary cap jail they're in. The Falcons would be in that any of the next two years if Matt Ryan's not there. So but they could have taken a quarterback and it would have been okay. Matt Ryan's on the bench. But by taking Pitts, it's like, okay, we're in this thing to win it. And I've talked to some sharp people. I don't like this because I think the Falcons have so many salary cap problems anyway that Julio Jones trade is about that, really. And if they trade him and it just it's kind of Pitts for Jones, Pitts might be better at this stage because of his youth. But it isn't that much of an upgrade and thus, uh, But some sharps, I know that like Matt Ryan to win the MVP. And, I mean, he's at, like, I think 75 to 1 in spots. Wow. I, no, I actually am going to have an MVP bet this week on Wednesday when Fez is here, I think, because I like one. It's 40 to 1. I'm not going to give it away. But, you know, look ahead to Wednesday. Um but that to me is why the Falcons upgraded because it was again a, a declarative statement we are not going to be rebuilding now Texans downgrade it's not really about the draft it's more about the just by drafting a quarterback um, it wasn't a poor draft it was it's kind of a sign of their pessimism about Watson for this year and it's also some batters get don't get engaged some of them until the draft and they kind of said oh look that number doesn't look bad and they bet under on Houston. What was the uh, opener, or not the opener, but what was it a couple days ago, and what do we got now, McKenzie?
3: It was four and a half wins a couple of days ago, down to four wins for the Houston Texans.
0: Out of 17 <laughs> games. Alright, and then finally, and this is the one I'm not even going to try to talk about because I'm so befuddled, I'm going to think on it some more. The Raiders downgraded. Now think about this for a second. The Raiders are, I think, the most logical team for Aaron Rodgers. And we're going to talk about the odds of that and if he's going, where he's going. Now, the odds say they're the second best team. Denver's the first. But the fact that they're even in the competition means, hey, they get Aaron Rodgers. It's a huge upgrade. And the fact they went down, why? could they pick Leatherwood? I mean, I get no one liked that pick, but the pick they got second was a pick that was a first-round grade. So you flip it, it doesn't really matter. They got one first round, one second round. But I think the perception has really swung on Gruden to the negative And they just got bet against. And to me, one of the biggest down moves, Jonas, when literally they have the second best chance according to the odds, and I think they're the most logical team to land Aaron Rodgers if he is traded, which is about 50% chance right now he gets traded based on the odds. What do you think should the Raiders be downgraded?
2: Um, I think that they're downgraded because again, and, and this just goes back to our what? Where do you have current players ranked before the draft? If they're if they're taken before they're expected to be taken all of a sudden that's viewed as a bad pick and the leatherwood pick has been viewed by majority of people as a bad pick even though there are some other others in the nfl that also had a first round grade on him Um, yeah
0: true i mean in the marks i saw about 10 of them uh, that i went through with detail there was two leatherwoods in the in the um first round
2: yeah and, and i just i i think that the problem with with the raiders is that I I wonder how serious they take... Gruden. I wonder how serious people take Gruden because you hear a lot of the, the boisterous stuff, the TV personality, so on and so forth, but it hasn't really come together. Uh, Mayock um, mentioned it this weekend. He knew they were going to get criticism for the Leatherwood pick uh, when they made the pick, and, and I wonder how many people are looking at that going, there's been rumblings that those guys maybe don't see eye-to-eye. Is this Gruden yeah. getting in, in Mayock's ear and telling him, hey, I, w- I would like to go this direction well, with this pick? My understanding is
0: Gruden has the power. It's his choice, every choice. Yeah,
2: I, I just and and especially with a guy like Mayock, who has forgotten more about the draft than so many people know, because he did it for so long. When he when he when they're taking edge rushers out of Buffalo, I think they're the most fascinating team as far as draft class goes. I'm going to watch this entire draft class the entire season and, and follow along with it, because when you're taking an edge rusher out of Buffalo that nobody expected you were going to take, nobody can explain the move. Either it's a bad pick or Mike Mayock knows something that somebody doesn't know and they got a guy who's going to be a stud in the league. And that's that's the part that's going to be fun to watch. But the consensus right now, definitely a downgrade on the Raiders.
0: But anyone that goes against the consensus in the draft, I appreciate because they have a chance to hit hit a home run. If you go with the consensus, you're only going to be a little bit better at best than what everyone else thought because everyone else liked them, too. So Seattle had some drafts like no one liked what they did, and they built the Super Bowl champions with it. So let's do this. Let's look at the Aaron Rodgers actual odds and how many games would it cost the Packers if he didn't play for them?
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
2: Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of You, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell.
0: Okay, these are the current odds. Where will Aaron Rodgers play in 2021, this upcoming season? Green Bay Packers are the favorite, but they're barely over even money, minus 125. Denver Broncos next, plus 200. The Raiders next, 5-1. to one. Why I think the Raiders make a ton of sense is if they trade Green Bay with um, Denver, what are they getting back? Locke? I mean, he's already... We know he's not going to be good, or at least 99%, it seems. So now they're forced to have the comeuppance, the judgment day Green Bay would on Jordan Love. And since they made the pick which at this point would've driven the MVP out of town, you better believe if he has a a bad year, there's gonna be heads rolling in Green Bay. So they would love to get, let's say, Derek Carr, I would think, because then it could defer at least a year, the whole Jordan Love thing, give him another year to get ready. and. Quite frankly, give him another year with a job because if he's bad after next, you know, after this third year, then okay, you might lose your job. But you had another year. So to me, I don't see how they make the trade with Denver because then it's Jordan Love judgment time. And I don't think you want your job on the line for that. So let's do this. We'll take a, our final break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you, now we know the odds, if that 50% is true and Aaron Rodgers is gone, how many games would it cost Green Bay? And also, Lakers haven't won many games. We'll look at tonight's against Denver.
2: He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox
1: Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas!
0: I'm R.J. Bell, and we're straight out of Vegas.
2: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., it's been a busy show and a busy recap of the NFL draft this past weekend, plus the news out of Green Bay not looking so hot for Aaron Rodgers and the
0: Packers. Well, not for that matchup or that, that pairing, but you got to wonder about Aaron Rodgers. Is he pulling away a Brady where he gets to, in a way, cherry-pick his team? And if it is the favorite, Denver, that is a team as Fez... Gave us some numbers would be you know really highly ranked because it's the roster other than the quarterback for Denver's really good. Yeah. And you look at them picking up another cornerback and especially against Kansas City and against now uh, the Chargers with uh, Herbert. I mean, having the best corners potentially deep backs in the league, great for Denver. And I also think the Raiders not as good. And the thing about the Raiders is their salary cap's a big issue. That whole sell-off with the offensive line was really driven by the salary cap. But let's look at the Green Bay side of this. Aaron Rodgers is worth between seven and nine points against the spread against Jordan Love versus Jordan Love. Now, if you look at that over the course of a season, that is between three and a half and four and a half wins lost. So you do the math. You look at last year. You look at point differential. And this is a team that is probably in the nine and eight range without Aaron Rodgers and a team that's supposed to be one of the leaders in the entire NFL with Aaron Rodgers. So this is the perfect example because Jordan Love right now is a slightly below average backup. He wasn't even the backup last year for a reason. So if he is the quarterback for Green Bay, it's a classic example of one of the best quarterbacks. If you lose him for nothing, how what does it do to your team? And the answer is, and this is math, this is Vegas, is four to four and a half wins you know, you want to be optimistic for love, you can say three and a half. So let's say an average of four wins lost by Green Bay. Does that feel right with a great quarterback is worth in the NFL?
2: I, I would say, yeah, uh, if not more, because I think he's a, he's in that top two to three tier with maybe only Mahomes that I, I think it's even maybe more of a significant loss to where,
0: well, I, 10 is the most that's ever been Mahomes. Uh, At various points has been worth 10 because the backups there at least initially weren't thought to be good. They they played a little better. And then Aaron Rodgers in his prime prime when he broke his collarbone was about 10. So like calling him nine is as much as it's ever been Wow! right there, right there on the cusp.
2: Just and just think about what that actually entails. That's a a 13 and four team that that turns into four and 13. That's crazy to think about. Just with with one player.
0: Oh, uh, but, I'm sorry, but it was ten points per game. Oh,
2: okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying okay. I thought you were saying wins. I mean, yeah. Yeah, if if they're a 13 and four team without Aaron Rodgers in that roster, I, I they're
0: don't like nine know. and eight. Is is what the numbers are saying. So yeah, that feels I, I, high to you.
2: Yeah, well, no, I, I I would say it's worse than that.
0: Yeah, but what uh, you're I, saying is if the over under was nine out of 17 games, you'd say you would go under Green uh, yeah, Bay without Aaron Rodgers.
2: 100 percent
0: under. Absolutely. Okay, well, if so, then Green Bay's making a big mistake, and you know. I think Colin brought this up Or maybe it was John Middlecoff uh, Who Former scout in the NFL But what he said was interesting Is He said there's no Owner in Green Bay And thus a guy like um, Kraft that would go in And say Hey, listen, Bill, the Belichick. We know that you know you did this, you did that. But but Brady's made it so because the owners make so much money as an organization yeah. does well over an extended period of time, billions potentially, and it's like they'll step in and say, hey, this five million, this ten million, don't really matter compared to the billions, and that's why. As one, of, I can't recall who said it, is they were talking about Andrew Luck and how when he left, they actually let him keep a signing bonus, even yeah. though he owed some of it back. And the theory was they were hoping to bring him back in the future. Maybe that was it. But maybe it was saying you made us billions. Here's your extra money. And, and you know, it's it's a lot of money, but it's not compared to billions or at least a billion, let's say. In, in, uh, and we're talking about appreciation of the asset itself, which is the NFL team. So we'll see, but boy, since Green Bay doesn't have that owner, there's no one there to kind of talk sense. You've got like the GM, the GM who's looking at it more as business, where the owner's looking at the big picture of the business.
2: And, and I also heard that Julian Edelman got some money from the Patriots as sort of a thank
0: you on his way out as well, too. Well, you sure it wasn't like gift cards or like the steak, <laughs> steak and shake? Hey, right. real quick, let's look at this Lakers game tonight.
2: Yeah, the Lakers, uh, who coming off two losses in a row, the return of LeBron James, and they get the Denver Nuggets later tonight. LeBron James not in the lineup for L.A. with a sore ankle. And right now, Denver a four-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com.
0: I think Belichick gave Edelman like a couple footballs from like five years ago. You know, said, take those. <laughs> I, I tell you this, this Laker team now, remember, you got drumming, you got to integrate. Him and you got shrewder out with the COVID for up to 10, 10 to 14 days expected. And LeBron talking, did you hear the quote, Jonas, when he said, yeah. I'm never going to be the same?
2: Yeah, I'm never going to be 100% the rest of my career.
0: Join yeah. the club is what yeah. everyone's saying. But, <laughs> yeah. Mackenzie, real quick, uh, 20 seconds. What do you think is the key factor? Nuggets are favored, as Jonas said, by five at Los Angeles.
3: I think the Nuggets are extra motivated because they can knock down the Lakers past that fifth seed so they don't have to play them in round one because they're likely to be the fourth seed. So if they win this game, likely they're going to avoid the Lakers in the playoffs.
0: And I mean, you got I think we've locked up now the MVP with our bet because you've got a situation nine and one since their second player went down uh, for Denver, their second key player. And to me, I mean, that is just amazing by the Joker. And we uh, did pretty well with that. And I also think the Lakers right now, have a real chance to not even skip the playing game so stay tuned
2: straight out of vegas here on fox sports radio if you missed any of today's show you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com a deep dive on the quarterback movement in the nfl draft and beyond we are back tomorrow 6 p.m eastern time three o'clock pacific right here on fox sports radio and as always you can check out this show every single weekday on the iHeartRadio radio app